0: Next Chapter Podcasts. Play Free Bird! I 100% get why people shout that out at concerts. I recommend to every single one of you guys, do psychedelics, put on Freebird, make sure you're peaking right at the moment the guitar solo just crunches and just be. The song is Freebird. It's by Leonard Skynyrd from their 1973 debut album, pronounced Ske Nerd. It's also number 403 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam. Me, Mr. Myers, the King of Fleece Thank you guys, Fleece Army We are doing it, we are three away from breaking into the 300s I couldn't be more excited The the albums are getting more wangzuki It's Dougal I know some of you hate when I talk like that And to all of you, go fuck yourself To all the people doing the Instagram stories, guys, please continue to keep doing it. Take a screenshot of how you're listening to the 500 and then post that on your Instagram stories. Tag me at Josh Adam Myers and do the at the 500 podcast. And why don't you put the guest name? So today it's Josh Wolf Comedy. Tag his ass and help us get the word out because we are growing this army of fleeciness. And it's fun, man. It is fun. Don't forget to check out our Patreon because the 500 Club is going down. We are posting full episodes of all the episodes we trimmed down over the last two years and they're all up on our Patreon. Join the movement. Come on, guys. I've got 19 employees. Help me support this show. You support. I support. Morty can eat. JT can eat. Sharkisha can eat. Emily eat Melissa, I just can't keep going. It's, there's so many people. I'm literally starting a cult based around the Rolling Stone Magazine 500 Greatest Albums list. And we are giving away a lot of free merch. My boy Young and Sick, who does all the artwork, is cooking up some really cool stuff. We're going to be announcing it soon. So all of that is on our Patreon. Sign up. Be a part of the Fleece Army. And also, check out our sponsor. It's Sunset Lake CBD, guys. Sunset Lake is... The best CBD company there probably is in the entire world. All pesticide-free from a farm in Vermont. You can smoke it because they got CBD-trimmed hemp flower. It's slow-cured, sealed in a tamper sealed glass jar. And if you don't have time to do bong hits, you can do their pre-rolls, which I take with me sometimes when I go on the road and I'm about to do a show. And if you don't want to smoke, they got gummies, tinctures, topical salves, and they've got cbd oil that i give to my dog who hurt her paw i, I mean this this is 100 true she hurt her paw i started giving her the cbd from sunset lake that they sent me in three days she was walking better she's back to normal she is watching a lot of rick and morty but you know she's comfy check out sunsetlakecbd.com use promo code jam500 for 15 percent off your next purchase big ups support them guys all right, let's dive into the record. Let's find out a little bit about Leonard Skinner, y'all. Released on August 13th, 1973 on MCA Records and produced by Al Cooper, this is the debut album by the Jackson, Florida, American Southern Blues rock band, Leonard Skinner. In 1964, vocalist Ronnie Van Zant, who was a teenager, guitarist Gary Rossington and drummer Bob Burns were rival baseball team players who started jamming together after Burns got hurt by a ball hit by Van Zant. Then Ronnie intimidated Alan Collins, another local guitar player, into joining them. They were influenced by the country standards, southern blues, and the new sounds of the British invasion. From there, they spent several years playing with different bass and drum combinations under various names like My Backyard, That's Doodoo. What if the other name was That's Doodoo? The Noble Five, the 1%, until 1970, they settled on Bob Byrne's suggestion of Leonard Skinner. And I love how they got this name. They all went to Robert E. Lee High School, and they had this bitch-ass P.E. teacher who would kick them off the field for having long hair. That coach's name? Leonard Skinner. With the name Leonard Skinner, they became a popular local act in Jacksonville stayed super tight by consistently practicing at a swamp-adjacent, sweltering hot rehearsal space called Hell House. In the early 70s, they did two sessions at famed Alabama studio Muscle Shoals and acquired bassist Leon Wilkeson. At a gig in Atlanta in 1972, they were discovered and signed by musician, producer, and founding member of Blood, Sweat & Tears and the Blues Project, Al Cooper. After two songs into the recordings, bassist Leon Wilkinson got cold feet, so he was replaced by ex-Strawberry Alarm Clock guitarist Ed King, who originally wanted to play guitar with the band. If you guys have no idea who Strawberry Alarm Clock is, which is a hard word for me to say today for some reason, Strawberry, I make fun of this song all the time on the podcast. It goes like this, it goes, Incense, peppermints, ripples in time, That, games we play. Fucking, you think of the 60s? I think of psychedelic 60s? That's the song I think of. After they finished recording, Ronnie Van Zant decided that King, who had added some guitar to the record, would be better on lead guitar. So he asked Wilkinson to rejoin. And with Wilkinson back, the now seven-man band was captured on the back cover of their debut. And that move by Ed King to lead guitar established Leonard Skinner's trademark three, guitar, army, and has influenced countless bands. This album went double platinum and reached number 27 on the charts. Its success and strength of their concerts grew their popularity for the next four studio albums and one live record, but then October 20th of 1977, tragedy struck. Three days after the release of their fifth album, Street Survivors, the band was flying after a concert in South Carolina to the next one in Louisiana when their plane ran out of fuel and crashed in rural Mississippi. The pilots, a road manager, and several band members including lead singer Ronnie Van Zant were killed and the rest of the band and crew sustained serious injuries. Leonard Skinner decided to break up indefinitely with several members forming offshoot projects. That break lasted until 1987, when the five core members and Ronnie's younger brother Johnny on vocals reformed Leonard Skinner for what was intended to be a one time reunion. So they reunite, and with the reuniting, lawsuits with widows and next of kin, and legal agreements, and several settlements later, there have been so many different lineups to Leonard Skinner with various original and longtime members recording and touring over the last several decades. To date, Skinner has sold 28 million records and in 2005 they were inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame leonard skinnard are one of the pioneers of southern rock and their influence has been immeasurable on artists like band of horses and steve earl and metallica and blues traveler and kid rock this is a band that you know this record people you've lived this record and today we are gonna go deep in it with a huge Fan of Leonard Skinnard and a person that I like to call a super duper close friend, the one and only Josh Wolf. You know Josh from East Chelsea lately from his podcast with Freddie Prince Jr., Prince and the Wolf. And if you guys follow him on his Facebook page, every Tuesday, Controlled Chaos at 7. And every Monday, Josh hosts High Live, where Josh gets stoned to the bejesus on Weed and Mushrooms. <laughs> And hangs out with some of his favorite comics And just streams it to the world He asked me to do it last Monday And I was already tripping Balls on mushrooms and I and he goes Dude you want to come and do it and I'm like dude I am Fucking Peeking right now I'm Sitting in my bathtub holding a towel Like a security blanket and he goes We should reschedule then and I'm like Perfect this was a fun One to record we did it live from the World famous comedy store it's a Great record I have a great guest Guys, just enjoy this shit. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the five hundred and listen free on all platforms that you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple, please give us a five star rating and leave us a review. It helps us. A couple people shit on me. Let's let's load it up with good. Get rid of the bad. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500 podcast at gmail.com. Follow our Facebook group, The 500 Podcast with Jam. And for all things 500, go to our website, the 500 podcastcom Well, guys, nothing left to say, but... Here we go with number 403. Bow, down, down By Leonard Skinner, they debut album. Doogle, doogle, enjoy. What's up, Fleece Army? What's up, people of the Comedy Store that are having conversations and we're probably interrupting? Welcome to The 500 with me, Josh Adam Myers, the king of fleece. What's up, dude? Good to see you out there. Do we have a packed crowd? There's at least, what, like 300 people here? Yeah, at least. At least 300 people. You're yeah.
1: all here
0: for us. They're to... just really small. Everybody's really small. Yeah. They're all on mushrooms. They knew you were going to be here. Oh,
1: I wish we were on mushrooms
0: I'm right now. Leaving the second this is over to go to Joshua Tree to take mushrooms. So it's apropos that I'm doing this with you. You
1: know, you and I have, have spoken about mushrooms. Many times over the last month or two, and so we're gonna have to finally make it happen. No, we have to. But 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 I, um, mushrooms have, the, have changed the way, I listen to to music recently. Yeah, like sometimes it's it's opened my eyes to certain bands where I was like, oh,
0: that's what Chumbawamba would sound this (laughs) intricate. But on three and a half grams of boomers, it's changed everything. I, dude, I, so the yeah. thing that I do with every album that I do on this podcast is when I have like a three, because usually I listen to three at a time. And I always do mushrooms every three days. And what I've been doing recently is like, like, like taking a little bit and then just putting on my Bose headphones and then just going through those three records. Because, like you said, there is before. And just listening to it sober and just, or maybe high or whatever, but then there's listening to it on mushrooms and then that just changes everything. The, the sound, the lyrics, the depth, everything. And then what you're going through in your like, you know, psychedelic state, it just adds to it, which I did with this record. Really? Which is, yeah. So the, like we were talking about right before we got started about like the way I viewed this band prior to really digging in now and now after. Mm -hmm. But I want to focus on you for the moment to kick us off. So I tried to get you on the podcast before and you looked over the list and you saw this. You're like, I can do that. And then when you walked in, you were like, this is one of my favorite records of all time. Of all time. So tell me about your journey with Leonard Skinner.
1: It started in, I grew up in Western Mass, which is kind of a small, in Amherst, which is a small town and, um... I started running with these dudes around my junior, senior year who were into Southern Rock, Molly Hatchet, Thirty Eighth Special, like Southern Rock, Southern Rock, Skinner also. Um, and I really went in deep. And the thing that always brought me back to Skinner was the, his writing, his lyrics, yeah. h- how he um, I could listen to a song and under. I know this is going to sound stupid. I want to know what you're saying. As an artist, I don't want to guess what your song means. I don't want to attach my own meaning because you wrote it, man. Tell me <laughs> tell me what it means. You know what I mean? Just make the
0: understanding easy, yeah, make it yeah. accessible. Look, I
1: love this. I love Cobain, bro. I was in Seattle when he killed himself. I lived down the street from him. You sold him the gun. Should <laughs> 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 so be working at the gun shop, right? I <laughs> clean <putting> open mics. <laughs> But I was, and and he was my guy, man. Grunge was, but my biggest complaint was always like, man, I just want to, he's such an interesting guy. I wish I knew what that meant to him. It may not mean that to me, but I wish I knew what it meant to him. And when I started really listening to this guy's lyrics and I started doing stand-up early on in my life, I was like, what? I started to listen to music and I was like, what music do I like? Why do I like this music? And people have asked me a lot, why do you like country music? What do you like? It? I like it because they're telling me a story that I can listen to and understand their journey. It's one of the reasons I love the Counting Crows. Say what you want.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and by the way, I, yeah. I will, I'll say something. Maybe we went to this concert together, dude, but I will tell you something about Adam Duritz. Say what you want about that dude. He turned down, he turns down the guitar, the piano. He wants people to hear his lyrics. Really? Oh, yeah. He's,
0: he's got a big ego, yeah. <laughs> huh? He's got a huge ego. He's not. When
1: you go to his concert, you, every other concert, you're like, I can barely hear the lyrics. You go to Counting Crows, he's like, turn that down. <laughs> turn that down. Turn that down. He stands right at the front of that stage, man. But I respect I want to know what story you're telling me. And so this guy, uh f- for Skinner, like I I understood the stories and they were simple, but not stupid and, 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 and simple and meaningful. And that's kind of how I do my standup. My stand up is not, yeah. is simple. It's not stupid. It's me. It's meaningful. Like it's meaningful to me. I'm telling you stories about my kids and my family, but I'm not tricking you with my words. I'm not Dennis Miller. Like when I listen to Dennis Miller, I'm like, bruh, yeah, come on. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Why are you don't outsmart me here. I'm, I bought the ticket, you yeah, know what I mean? I just want to
0: enjoy it. man. <laughs> yeah, I don't I want to know have to know like I, the history of the constitution. I, just fucking I didn't
1: bring a thesaurus to the show, tell me the man. Joke, tell bro. me the
0: joke. Oh, it's like a Jabroni on a Tuesday. You know <laughs> what I mean with the skewedly do? And...
1: Yeah, one of those. Not for me. So for me, I really started when I started to listen to his lyrics. And I also am skinnered over Almond Brothers, which is for some people, a little controversial.
0: Sure. Um, sure. I, I've yet to really dig into the Allman Brothers, uh, but I do think that Dwayne Allman might be the greatest guitar player that ever lived. I, I, I'm not going to argue. Like, he's just, dude, it's like every, well, we did that fucking Boz Skaggs record. Yeah. That's why I love doing this podcast, because we did Boz Skaggs, and I had no idea that they recorded it at Muscle Shoals and the history behind that studio, and that Dwayne Allman did the solo on, what was that song? fuck that i love so much it's like a 12 minute song on the record but it's but it's literally you know 10 minutes of solos so so for me i was just like this is boz skaggs and then you're like oh you find out the history um different different guitar sound than 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 this than skinnerd but still like in that vein
1: are you were you a southern rock fan at all
0: dude black crows bro i'm chris porter dude i am black crows Up the wazoo. Outside
1: of the Crows. Had you gone any deeper? Do you like ZZ Top? Now I do. Okay.
0: But Skinner, you know what's funny? is Skinner, for me, was a band that I just was like, they're Sweet Home Alabama, they're country rock. I'll never get it unless you're from the South. Uh, also, the first time I ever saw the words Leonard and Skinner together, it was like we used to go out into the forest, like in my neighborhood, and it was like carved into a into a tree with a pentagram. Of course, so I was. thought it was yeah, dude. And then there was also like a gay porno magazine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what are people doing out here? Who's this Leonard Skinner yeah, who guy? Is Leonard Skinner. He he's jerking off to the pentagon? He's the devil, <laughs> and he's gay. He's a gay devil and they sacrifice kids here. Yeah. But no, but that was where I first saw that. And and then, you know, I'm probably like 8, you know, 7, 8 years old, and the older I've gotten, it was it was literally like I I've heard Freebird before that and I was just like, yeah, it's a it's a great song. Okay, everybody loves it. They shout it at concerts. But I had never dug into it. You know what I mean? I never dug into Skinner. I literally thought Sweet Home Alabama and that's it. So, for me, this record, I love Southern music. Now I love country because of the podcast, but I had like still wasn't writing this off. I was excited about it, but it was the first track. And once the once I ain't the one came on, I was like, dude, this is what a
1: great fucking song that is to start the album off. What a this is their this is your debut album. And think about what you have on this album. The songs. I, I mean, my my brothers and I have talked about this. A million times who you think has the best first album. Oof. Right. And there are a lot of them. The police had a. Uh, right. Their first album was like, what the fuck?
0: Outlandish, D. Amor.
1: But this album for first album is like, come on, man.
0: I don't think there's any filler. We were talking about this off air, everybody. But like there's two songs we're going to get to in a little bit that are on the second half of the record, which aren't bad. But, I mean, you have an album that's just laid out with hit after hit after hit, and they really don't even start sounding like Southern rock until you get, like, three songs in. You don't Do you think know what I mean? think the one sounds like Southern rock? I don't know. Here, let's, let's, let's start with that. Let's okay. dive into this. Okay, so I love this album so much because the way it starts off, you, you get this weird opening with this count-off, and then there's, like, this... Twin Peaks Backward cymbals And then this drum fill And then the band Starts joining in Piece by piece Which kind of reminded me Of Have you ever seen The Alice in Chains uh, Unplugged Uh -uh. Dude It's like They're great Everybody sucks the dick Of Nirvana's Unplugged But Alice in Chains Because dude They they all come out One at a time And then Lane Comes out last And the fucking audience Is like "Ah," And Lane's just "Ah, ah, ah, ah," And it's just Incredible But I can pinpoint you the moment I fell in love with this record. Uh Peter, play 137, dude. Your mind, think to I think the
1: you wow. Skinner's guitar that you know right off the bat. That just by the licks, but the way their guitar sounds, that's him. But I, I go back to, listen, I go back to his lyrics. This this is a s- simple enough song, but his lyrics really draw me in immediately. Like, uh, we'll get to the one that's my favorite of all time, but his lyrics draw you in immediately, and it's relatable. Like, I'm listening to the song like, yeah, I ain't the one. Yeah, I get it, man. He's not talking about something... I don't know, or I may not experience in my life at some time. His, his lyrics and his songs were so relatable that for me, again, it's what it hooks me right off the bat. And then that guitar, that spot is amazing.
0: I love anytime they drop out and they're just playing, it's just like a guitar lick or something like that. But this song is said to be about when a lady with a bit of a reputation told Ronnie that she was pregnant with his baby. Which I don't know why he wouldn't have it because I don't know if you're reading the lyrics of the song. He's like saying like like my dad will is my father's rich and he's gonna take take us in and I'm like that's dope, Ronnie. (laughs) Who gives a fuck if if she's crazy? Like, get that money, Ronnie.
1: But I love it because you know what he's saying. That's not me, man. You don't want me. No, I I love that. But that it's there's so much about that, right? His lyrics are so. Painfully honest, also about himself and how much of just of a just of of a crazy life that he led. And this is it, man. This is he's saying, "Look, I know you're rich. Your dad said he's going to take care of me, but you know what? I'm not. You're I, you got the wrong guy." Yeah. And 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 like he, the other thing I like is that he uses simple language. I'm going to keep saying it. He uses simple language to paint a complex story sure in his in his short sure. he, he he uses simple language and takes you on a journey without you going ah uh, come on bro you know it's it, so it, i i storytellers for me are the are the best uh, lead singers sure so if you're a storyteller and to me he's the ultimate Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Van Flip podcast. Every week I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip podcast. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Dude,
0: it, it it's it's a great song. Like you said, immediately I knew what he was talking yeah. about. He's talking about a shady woman, might be having a baby. Uh, I want to ask you, because I know you're married to Beth, yeah. and you've been married for a while. Yeah. but. What's the shadiest woman you've ever dated?
1: Okay, uh, I can tell you. I'm gonna tell you a good story. You ready? Okay, you know you ready? it. Yeah, hit me. So when I was
0: lay it out simple, I'm going now. <laughs>
1: I was 16, and my parents. Had t- I told them, hey, my, this dude who went to I went to school with his name was Owen Yard. Owen Yard was the coolest motherfucker. Josh, you know one of those guys that like you were like in the middle of the day, you'd be like, where would Owen go? And he'd like this like one of those guys who would just disappear and be like. And he'd come back and he'd have like eight diamond rings. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. What He was like, yeah, no, my dad just took me shopping. And I'm like, what? So he used to disappear, just as coolest dude. He would be allowed to do things, go into Boston by himself. So he says to me, he goes, hey, there's a concert. Uh, do you want to come wait outside? We're going to wait out night for tickets. And I go, yeah. Now, I, the, it was Paul Young, uh, which I'm the Every time you go
0: away. Right?
1: Now, listen, I... Not my ideal concert, but I'm I waiting. I don't know what's wrong with you, dude. I'm, I'm
0: front row, dude, flashing titties <laughs> well, at Paul I, Young. I'm
1: waiting out overnight. We wait. It's me and Owen. We're 16. This is on a college campus, so we're second in line. Behind us are these two sophomores in college.
0: Yeah.
1: And we're talking all night. Now, they had obviously stayed out overnight overnight. So they were had sweats and brought up. I didn't know, they're, man. They're,
0: they're they're in the fan club. They're youngsters. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and
1: they had they had done the overnight stuff. I didn't know. I'd never sat out overnight. So I had my parachute pants on. Oh, the, yeah, I was full on. Were you a raver? No, ba- tell. Them. We were all wearing parachute pants. It was cool, man. Zubaz, <laughs> light, light, light gray with a dark gray on the inside. Zip. Oh, I'll show you my parachute pants. Yeah, I pants. can't wait to
0: see this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, so then we're there and we're talking. These girls are talking to us and we're like, all right. And they're were like, we're going to see you tomorrow night for the show or whenever the fuck it was. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So we go to the show. I'm wearing parachute pants again, but I'm also wearing a sleeveless shirt with a lot of zippers on it. You know what I mean? So sleeveless, a lot of zippers. You know what I'm talking about. The outfit is great. <laughs> I love it. I had a sweet ass mullet, man. So, mullet, we used to call it a soccer cut. So, I had my soccer cut, I had my sleeveless shirt with a lot of zippers and some blue, and then I had my parachute pants. And the woman's name was Stacy, and she was standing behind me. And me and Owen are dancing to every time, right? And, uh, and then I feel these hands in my parachute pants. And I was like,
0: What? It's Owen. Owen's <laughs> grabbing your dick.
1: <laughs> That's where he That's goes. Where- <laughs>
0: You get to see Owen's adult-sized penis, because you know he had an adult-sized penis. There's no doubt he 14. did. At yeah.
1: 14. And she gave me a, a handjob in in the second row of the Paul Young concert. And so and then I I ended up coming in my pants. But but I said to Owen, I go, hey, man. I go, this is my favorite part of the night, actually, outside of the handjob. I said to him, I said, hey, man. I said, I got to go. And he said, why? And I showed him. He goes, you earned that. You're staying. Oh, my God. And I God. was like,
0: you're right, Owen. I earned that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't know if she was scandalous, but she did reach out to me about six years ago. I got a message on my Facebook page that said, is this the Josh that I molested at the Paul Young concert? And I was like, it is. And I said, thank
0: you for that. Oh, my God. You gave
1: me a lot of confidence. She's like, did
0: you get the stain out? Because <laughs> I know how hard it is to get stain out of Zuba's pants. <laughs>
1: It was Chess King. I don't know. You're probably too young to know what Chess
0: King uh, is. Is that like made by members only? Because I have no Chess idea. Chess King was
1: a store at the mall where you would go get parachute pants and a zippered shirt with no sleeves.
0: Gordon Gartrell
1: from pretty Yeah, pretty good. Cool. Yeah, that, cool.
0: That's what I'm imagining right now, the Gordon Gartrell.
1: I am going to send you a picture of
0: parachute pants. I
1: might even get you a pair, man. It might, this might be a good look for you. Okay.
0: No, well, these these more... are quasi parachute pants. No, these man. are my you existential need crisis need pants. A zipper
1: down the side well, that I'm, I'm unzips a zipper, into dude, a different man. color.
0: I'm not a zipper guy. Go- well, right, you get me because you're <laughs> bringing back the the hyper color shirt yeah, nostalgia right now. If you I'm remember in that it. shit, dude. Yeah,
1: I'm in it. I'm in it. But that I'm not sure if that's scandalous, but it was fantastic. I um I when I was working the door at a place called Dick's Last Resort in San Antonio.
0: That's where you're a dick to everybody, right?
1: Yeah, one of my favorite jobs I ever had. Um, there was a woman and I was probably 21 at the time and she was 35. So she was a grown-up, and she told me, I'm going to fuck you in my minivan. And I was like, what? She goes, will you fuck me in the minivan? And I was like, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. And so I thought having sex with a 35 year old was going to be like having sex with a 21 year old. I was wrong. A 35, a 21 year old child should not be having sex with a 35 year old woman. Yeah. Like you're not ready. You're not ready for someone to say to you. Because at 21, you think you're the fucking
0: best. Oh, yeah, invincible.
1: You're not ready for a woman to say to you, as you're having sex with her, what are you doing? You're like, huh, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Did you just ask me what? <laughs> they love this thing. and she's like, they don't love it. They just don't tell you, but I'm about to tell you. And she just said, lay down on your back. Let me do this.
0: Oh, they're very direct. Yeah. The older women are very direct. <laughs> I had, I had sex with a forty-year-old woman when I was when I was twenty-two, and really? yeah, dude, we were both high on coke. But you know, it was it was great. Very direct. Told me what she wanted. Uh, gave me a fucking Viagra to get me to get me hard, uh, and then gave me a Xanax to put me to sleep afterwards.
1: Did she give you the coke, the Viagra, and the Xanax? We had been doing
0: coke all Got day. It. Me and, me and the next door neighbor of her. And then I went over to her house because she was like friends with the two, the Coke dealer friend that I had. And uh, we went up there and it was like, I'm on her computer downloading stuff off Napster because I didn't have a good computer. So it's like, oh, wow, you have a cable connection. It's not dial. I mean, I get this song in three minutes <laughs> yeah. and not three days. <laughs> and then and then she was like, so, hey, uh, you want to fuck me? And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if I can get hard. And then she was like, here, take this. And then so, she fucked me.
1: I mean, listen, I will say that probably not her first time since she was a woman with Viagra at her house. So she's probably she's used to dealing with those older dudes.
0: She's like, hey, pop this jump. Dude, she's we still keep in touch, dude. Do you? Yeah, she reached out to me six years ago. She was like, am I the guy that <laughs> are you the guy that gave the Viagra to? And you came. And-
1: <laughs> I've never taken Viagra before. I'm probably I guess I will soon knowing my age. But like, does that does it get you high?
0: No, your nose gets stuffed up and you get a massive erection.
1: Your nose gets stuffy. It's though?
0: the weirdest thing in the world, man. Because like you're, <laughs> like you are, you're fucking, but you can't breathe out of your nose. Because whatever it does, it just clogs. My, it clogs my nose. I wonder if it sure clogs it wasn't it. the coke, dude. No, no, no. This is I've taken Viagra like, uh, oh, in the okay. last few years, and my nose gets stuffy.
1: Do you take it just to enhance the?
0: No, I. You know, I just want to. Sometimes I get little performance anxiety and you know it's i'm 40 now so i just want to make sure it's full that's you know I, an al dente dick has killed a few of my relationships dude i'm by letting you way. know that straight away <laughs>
1: by the way al dente is a open micer in the valley
0: great dude yeah good solid yeah. Writes good minutes. jokes yeah solid yeah a little soft sometimes <laughs> all right let's dive into tuesday's gone uh as soon as i heard this song all i could think about was happy gilmore uh great song dude so at seven and a half minutes with an extended improvised piano solo in the middle, this is the first of two epic power ballads on the record. Producer Al Cooper had Atlanta rhythm section drummer Robert Nix replace Bob Burns on this and played the mellotron strings on the choruses, which I love. And when you listen to it on good headphones, that was the only thing that really stuck out to me for, uh, you know, really a dig in listen. Uh, Peter, play the string section. It's like I only heard that with the headphones on, but it's just that. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I, I love what this song is about. What I think it's about. I think it's about how his their life changed.
0: Yes. Right. Yes, that's what I found. Well, so this could be about leaving a woman alone, uh, but I had found it represents Leonard Skinnerd prior to getting the record deal, and then "Gone with the Wind" is also a reference to the 1939 movie. Uh, the movie is about an antebellum South during the Civil War and focuses on Scarlet, who was handed a different life when Reconstruction hit the South. So I think it's about like just what they were like prior, how they'll never get back to that. And so in a sense, it's like it's gone with the wind. But
1: I, what I like about it is that it's not a upbeat, happy song about how their life is changing. There's a little sadness, it feels like, to them saying goodbye to that part of their life. And I, I always have found that super interesting that you were, your life would be, from the outside, supposedly changed for the better. But there's still this long—it feels like a longing, the way he's singing and the yeah. way—almost a, a longing for what he was going to be missing. And I always found that really interesting. And I wish I like somebody had been able to ask him what are, what part of this are you going to miss? Like you just signed this huge contract. This is what you've been working for, yeah. supposedly. Yeah. What What is why is this a seemingly sad goodbye to this part of your life? I've always been really curious about it, man, because it seems like it would be a happy,
0: a happy thing. I mean, right? listen. And I think we both can agree. Like, we love performing. We love being out there. But there's something about that simple time prior to me starting stand up. You know, like we were talking about, like going to a concert, getting a hand job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you can't do that now, dude. I You'd wish be on I page could. six, dude. <laughs> the way these comics are getting called out. So, what I'm saying is, it's like my life. Prior to moving to Los Angeles, like it was just you paid your taxes, you know, you had an apartment, you had a normal life, maybe you were in college. And that's there's something special about that. And they I think they probably knew as they were making this record, just how big this was going to be received, you know, and, and and I think, you know, maybe maybe it's it's about what we're talking about or maybe it is about a woman.
1: The the the, the lyrics don't match up perfectly for it to be about a woman it goes back and forth a little bit I will tell you though and I now that I'm thinking about it you know when I think back to my early days of stand-up in Seattle there really is a nostalgia for that time when like me and Brody and Tana and Joey Diaz would leave an open mic and sit at a diner and all be able to afford a cup of coffee and that was it and just swap jokes there was an excitement to that
0: do you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, dude. To I, that time. You, yeah, that's even that's even a better analogy than what I was saying. That's, that's what I was trying to say. Thinking about the beginning of stand-up yeah. with 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 our boys, we'd get one sampler plate at Norm's, and we'd have to be like, All right, can I get the chicken tender tonight? And we'd be like, yeah. And it was, but it was the most fun yeah. I've ever had during my whole career before any of us had fame.
1: Because it was less about business and more just about being funny and the art and And a lot of collaboration with your friends, and hey, what are we gonna do today and there was you know when the f- you can look at the future as one of two things as scary or hopeful, and when you're a dreamer, the future holds your gold, it holds all of your possibilities. Oh, sure, yeah. you know what I mean, so there's such excitement i it's one of the reasons that like I really try to hang out some with younger artists or younger comics because that energy and that dream and that hope is, is an energy that I long, long for a lot. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where I'm I'm like, Oh, that, mm, that thing of what, what's next. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, You know, I just like being around these people is something that as we get older,
0: well, guess what, dude? Huh. I don't know if you heard about this thing called the pandemic. I haven't. It's basically like they just pulled the modem out and restarted it. Dude, when you go out and like see comics now, it's like, oh, my God, it's so good to see you. And you hated that <laughs> yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. You, just want, you just want attention. You long for it. But listen,
1: man. dude, last week I had a 20-minute conversation with my Uber driver. He was like, are you going to shut the fuck up? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no nah, man, I'm talking to you now. So get ready for it. Dude,
0: the ride was over <laughs> seven minutes ago. And yeah, God, like, dude, nah, dude, we're having a little jam in of of your house, man. This, so yeah, this song is is the the Leonard Skinner that I knew prior, right? But just really being able to dig into this, it's like I think. Do it, the
1: length of these songs? Do the length? Like, do you feel like the a ballad has an okay, the nod and the wink to go a little longer than other songs?
0: I think so yeah I feel like a ballad's always about four and a half five minutes
1: how come how come you feel like the, like when you hear that song how I don't know how long it is on the album, but that's a i mean they were making longer songs back then, right in general, sometimes you might find a longer song on an album
0: I think so. I mean, this came out in seventy three so because you don't hear well, songs doing, this length now, no, do you well, here's the thing is that they're still trying to do like Music that can be played on the radio. That was like the 60s, the 50s and the 60s when every song was like two minutes and 30 seconds, Mm -hmm. right? I think as you started getting into the 70s, it's kind of like the 70s in music was kind of like the 70s in film where they were just like, let's let these artists like experiment, yeah, you know, for that first record, let's give them some money, let's get them to work on their shit and hopefully something really good will come out of it and once they found some like a sound that everybody was vibing to then it was like i think the corporate entities started like coming in and and really like putting restrictions that's more like the 80s yeah but uh for 73 i mean you think about like the beatles have already broken up you know the beatles songs towards the end were all starting to be a little bit longer, longer and and leonard skinnerd was influenced by the british invasion um all right, let's go on to "Give Me Three Steps." Because Come on, dude! This the intro is so fire. Peter, play the intro. I can think about is when I hear this song is Ron White sang this at the goddamn Comedy Jam wearing a hat that Johnny Van Zant gave him and he was so wasted. I mean, it goes without saying, I don't know why I had to mention yeah, that. But, <laughs> and then he just, he started like doing the curly, like on the floor, like spinning around. Really? Running Dude, around? In like a fucking like $3,000 suit. And it was just the fucking best. And then we all went back to his house afterwards, and he just like, just, you know, had pizza for everybody and booze for everybody and all the weed you could ask for. And this was another song that I was just like, all right, this is like, you know, it's a good song. It's a good Skinner song. But really hearing it after these first two songs, like, I really fucking appreciate it. And then you talked about the storytelling. I mean, this might be the best storytelling on the album.
1: Yeah. And I will tell you, Every time I hear this song and I don't know what's coming on, and I hear that intro, it always makes me turn it up. There's oh, yeah. something about that intro, where I'm like, oh, I gotta fucking turn that up yeah. that intro is so but again the the he's not that guitar is not like the craziest guitar riff you've ever heard in your life. It's simple, but it's like yeah it's i'm it it catches you immediately, and this story is supposedly a true
0: story no it's a true story yeah. An underaged Ronnie Van Zant, he had a fake ID, was at the Little Brown Jug Bar in Jacksonville. Uh, he by had- the way,
1: the Little Brown Jug Bar has seen some fights. Have you been there? No, but I'm just judging by the name.
0: It's it's not, a- is that it sounds like something from like the Sturgis Motorcycle <laughs> yeah. Rally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But basically, he hits on a girl, uh, and then he had to bargain his way out of getting shot by a pissed-off dude uh, after he had hit on that dude's lady, and I fucking- Love it, dude Alright, but play the best part of the whole song at 135 I was scared and fearing for my life I was shaking like a leaf on a tree Cause she was laid
1: Now you know on the live version I believe a throwaway line is oh I ain't going to fight him over his cunt. Oh really? I think if you find the live version right after one of the lyrics I, I I think that's the song where he throws that away. And he's just it's the live version of this song is um uh I think on the same album that has T for Texas in the live album. And it, the live version is fucking dope dude but he has some throwaway lines that are
0: I mean I love that he's throwing around the sea word, word. that's okay. fucking uh, that's fucking great dude it's not really a, like a southern rock thing Yeah I think same, um, you know what
1: I'm going to I'm going to check because I'm probably going to get myself in trouble right now but um, I'm pretty sure that's what he the throwaway line was but do you let me ask you something when you does it matter to you when you hear stories like this on albums if the story is true or not?
0: Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, cause it, 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 well, it doesn't matter with standup. It doesn't matter with standup. Well, is true? I mean, we all kind of embellish yes. a little bit because you know, you want a punchline. You want the story to have the stakes raised. Comedy is at its best when the stakes are, are, are totally raised. And I mean, I've got so many stories that, that I've told that, I mean, I've, I've put some, you know, some fiction in there, but, it, it it works. Yeah. As long as it has like a, like the base is a nice truthful base. And then after that, it's just kind of like build it. However you can do it.
1: I agree with that. Stand up, especially yeah, uh, for me. Anyways, the only way I can tell the story is if it, if I'll tell it exactly how it happened five or six times. Yeah. And then I'll think, all right, which part of the truth works, which part of the truth works and which part needs enhancement. And, I've recently started being okay with going, you know what? The middle's funnier than the ending. So I'm moving the middle to the end. Sure. Like all of those things, which makes sense. But with, with the music, for whatever reason, I want the song to be real. I don't know why I give the, you're a purist. I I appreciate that. I I do. I want, I want this to be, I want you to be writing this for a reason. That means like, that means something to me. And I always felt like he did like, well, I also that he think, was reading, writing it for a reason. I
0: also think that, one, not only did this happen to him, but this is Ronnie, like, really showing off, like, this this poetry writing that he did in high school. Which is like, you know, this dude's like an athlete, but he's, like, so eloquent with the wording that he's choosing. You know, even the lean mean. It's just, he described this story so perfectly
1: no wasted words with this dude. no
0: wasted words but that was why this is like because now at this point it's the third song on the record and i'm like i'm like really feeling the first two i had heard this but i'm like oh the sequencing in this is perfect to have this after the third song because mm-hmm. now it's like it, it's just do
1: you like, do you think that people take as much care now as they did then as far as
0: the sequence
1: of the songs
0: i don't think people make albums anymore they make singles
1: Right, because the the yeah. album used to kind of tell a story, or they it mattered to them where the songs were and yeah. what side things were on. Do you, you don't think that is the same so much I, anymore? I just
0: think it's a totally different time, dude. I mean, 2020, it's... I don't think anybody buys full albums anymore because you can just buy individual tracks, and I think everybody just tries to make hits.
1: Do you think people will stop making albums and just start making songs?
0: Mm. No, because... The, the album is what, that's what you want, you know what I mean? Still, I think there's like this, this you know, uh, ideal that we, we hold the album up to. It's like, no, I've got an album. Like, mm-hmm. it's a full, it's a collection of all of my songs, and it's like, you know, I'm not saying every artist, but I don't think that Drake is like going, oh, we start with this one and we put this one because he's every one he's probably put is probably like this will get a lot of like downloads and this will get a lot of downloads. And I think they just space them out to make the album full. I feel like music now has a lot of filler on the albums, but there's not there's no artists like Leonard Skinner anymore.
1: Well, I mean, that also, and I don't mean to veer this back to stand up, but you just nailed one of the huge differences between being a, a stand up and being a. A, a, a musician because if you put out an album say this album and the only three good songs were tuesday's gone simple man and Freebird, you that's a banger of an album yeah even if the other seven songs are garbage if as a comic you put out an album and out of 10 tracks only three are good you're never making another album. now No. no. Do, do you know what i mean like but skinner if i have three bangers that is a huge success sure it's, sure. it, it's a little bit like, I've always wondered why, like, if somebody comes to our shows, sometimes I'm always like, someone will laugh the entire time and be like, you know, that one joke I didn't, why you telling me about the one joke you didn't like motherfucker? Like we did an hour and 20 minutes. You want to tell me about the one joke that you had heard
0: before? Yeah. But I've also started really bad and then saved my set at the end. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and people are like, dude, you fucking killed it. And I'm yeah. like, thank God for that <laughs> last joke. Being that you you have a great you have great stories, I wanted to know what is your best or worst fight story? Have you been in a fight? Yeah,
1: many. Um, I'm a I'm a terrible fighter. Uh, I grew up with three older brothers, so it means I didn't I, you know I talked a lot of shit and I never I couldn't back down. Yeah. So I would tell you that. The the last fight I ever got into. All right, hit me with that one. And this isn't so much of a fight as one person getting punched a lot. Me. (laughs) 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 A fight kind of implies, it's like it was a rivalry. Well, I won 10 games in a row, so I don't know if it was a rivalry. So this was a fight in that one person got punched. So I used to run this bar in Seattle in Pioneer Square. And there was a guy who used to work there, and the owner fired him. And I was out drunk one night, and this dude was working a hot dog stand. And he had been fired for stealing.
0: From your job? From where I was working. Okay, but now he's working at a hot dog hot
1: stand. Hot dog stand. And I'm hammered. And. Uh, you wanted that street meat, dude. Yeah. I, <laughs> I walked right up <laughs> by. by the way, in Seattle, they put cream cheese on those hot dogs on the street. They're delicious. It's delicious. Really? The cream cheese on the hot dog. Give it a run, dude. Okay, I'll give try it a run. Right? So. I go and he had talked about suing this the owner because he got fired and I, and, he, and I was like, "Hey man." And he was like, "What's up?" I go, "Let me get a hot dog." I was like, I started talking shit, "Unless you're going to sue me for and I'm running my mouth." Now, this dude's name was James. He was no joke. He'd spent probably 7, 8 years in jail. Um, he ran our security at the place. Like this dude was no joke. But I I was drunk and I was still felt like, "Oh, He used to work for me, so I'm still kind of his boss, so I can kind of say. Yeah. And I was drunk and running my mouth. And the last thing I remember him saying after I was running my mouth, he put the hot dog down. The last thing I remember him saying is, you know what? (laughs) That was it. It's worth it. You know what? And then hands started flying. And when I say hands, just his two. Yeah. (laughs) You just took it. (laughs) He, no joke, my cousin was there. And he said, "I because I don't." Re- he hit me. He knocked me out, so I don't really remember. And my cousin said it, that he got hit twice. And I said, "Where?" He goes, "Once here and once here," because he got hit here once and was like, "Fuck this!" and turned yeah. like a wolf and tried to run away. And he got hit in the back of the head. But I, I got beat.
0: How bad? Mm-hmm. Mushy? Like, were you like swollen and just fucked up? My right
1: eye was mushy. I had. Uh, shoe marks on my ribs. Oh, did
0: some did some side kicks. I,
1: oh yeah, At, and my cousin said he was talking to you and he was kicking you. I'm like, well, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that I've been in some um, unfortunate fights and I've lost a majority of them. I would, I think my record is like three and six, and I only say three because I was on the winning team once. Sure, I get it. I, I lost my part yeah but, but i was on the winning squad so i give myself three i my mouth my hands could never keep up with my mouth and on the where we grew up in that area that's not a good your hands better keep up oh
0: dude i've, I've lost almost every fight i've been in we're not but i've but i've but i've won the pre-fight yeah the pre-fight i've won
1: by the way i won the pre-fight which is why there was a fight yeah
0: yeah the pre-fight yeah. the jawing i always oh. win But I I mean, what's the worst?
1: Can you think of the worst, the hardest you've been hit?
0: Hardest I've been hit was I was walking home from hanging out with my buddies and I was smoking a cigarette as I cut through this uh, elementary school uh, basketball court where these guys were playing. But I was like going around them; I wasn't like walking in the middle of them playing. But they saw me smoking, and it was, like, three of the bad kids from my neighborhood. Bernard, Junie, and this guy Marcus. Junie? Junie, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, uh, Bernard and Junie were, like, they were, like, the town criminals. I think both of them went to jail. Um, one of them actually, like, fucked my knee up, like, probably a few years earlier. And he got suspended from school because of that. But I'm walking home, and the dude, uh, they see me smoking, and they're like, yo, let me get one of those cigarettes. And I'm like, I only had one left. So I was like, yo, man, I only got one left. And then Marcus was like, give me the cigarette. And I'm like, I only got one left, man. And it was like, "I'm, dude, I'm not 18. I've got to find somebody to buy it. And it's a whole thing. And he's like, give me the cigarette. And I'm like, fine. And I pull it out, and I'm going to hand it to him. And then I, he puts his hand out, and then I drop it. Oh, and then he goes, what the fuck, no. man? You dropped my cigarette. And I go, and I swear to God, all I remember saying was, dude, at least I gave you pop. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was just on the ground. You might as well have heard, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, like I you and I are
0: not we're not built for fighting, dude. No, I'm not. I'm a lover, dude. Me I'm a too. lover. I, I would be like Ronnie. I could talk my way out of the fight. You know what I mean? But also now as I've gotten older, I've you know once I stopped drinking, no no altercations. I agree with Do you. You know what I mean? That's I agree that's the best thing I ever could have done. But most of the time I almost had always had people want to kick my ass when I was drunk.
1: I had a guy Okay. This might be the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me. At a bar when it comes to a fight. I was at a bar. This dude was way bigger than me. Way bigger. It was in Texas. And I remember uh, my friend earlier on in the night, because this dude was like, I was being funny around his friends who were girls, and they were kind of laughing at him. And my friend was like, dude, he's not going to big old boy. He's not going to like that. And he was like, and we talking, and he dude started to jaw at me and started to say things. Just like you knew he just wanted me to say something back like that sure. so we could fight. And I was just avoiding it. And my buddy said to him, you're going to have to hit him first. You're going to have to hit him first. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, this is going down. You're going to have to hit him first. So we tried to get out of there. And he stopped me. He goes, where are you going? I go, we're getting out of here. And he goes, you and I got some things to talk about. And I was like, Ooh, this is this means we're going to fight. So I hit him as hard as I could right in the face. And he turned his head and looked back and goes, you're going to have to do better than that.
0: Oh, God. That's like the scariest shit in the world. (laughs) When he said that,
1: every organ in my body uh, like started tried to come out of my asshole. Like,
0: let's get (laughs) out (laughs) of (laughs) here.
1: He's going to beat us up. Get out of the body. Get out of the body. He fucked me. Uh, I was out at a point where he was still picking me up to talk to me. Like, it was not a good. He was like, I'm going to take this outside after he hit me two times. And when he said take it outside, he meant take me outside. It was not a good evening for me. That was this that was the at the time I was like I'm never fighting again. And then that dude, you know what it means. Yeah, but yeah, but, yeah. but it's not worth it.
0: No. It, I, I the idea of, of fighting now at forty, I mean that's the idea like you get in a fight and pull a muscle would be embarrassing. Oh my god. You yeah, imagine dude. throwing a punch at me like, oh I fuck you Oh my dude. I, I like I pull muscles just laying on the couch. Yeah. So the idea of like having to be in a fight. Well, actually, that's not true. I'm pretty in shape right now, and I feel like like if there was like some form of an apocalypse. Yeah. Like because I did. You mean Cross like right Fit, now? After November third. Got when it, the got real it, got one it. comes out. Like, I'm good for six months if the world falls apart. I'll be able to survive. I'll be able to run, take care of myself. After that, I don't know. But while most people will probably be dying right off the click, like, I've got a few months on everybody. That's nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a good feeling.
0: It's a very good Do you feeling. Don't
1: spread that around to your neighbors. You might not have six months. That's, that's the kind of thing you got to keep to yourself.
0: Yeah. Dude. You got to be like, yeah, I'm going to be struggling too. <laughs> Don't come over here. Yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm stocking up on water just in case. All right, let's move on all to right. Simple Man, all right? Because this on. is one of the most iconic Skinner songs uh, and probably my favorite on the record. So it's some wise advice from Ronnie's mom on how to live a satisfying life. So I found this shortly after Ronnie Van Zant's grandmother and Gary Rossington's mother died. They got together in Van Zant's apartment and started telling stories about them. Rossington came up with a chord progression, and Van Zant wrote the lyrics based on advice the woman had given them over the years. And they wrote it in about an hour. And it's just, and if, you, if you've read the lyrics, uh, I mean, it's just simple advice. Take your time. Don't live too fast. Trouble will come. They will pass. Forget about your lust for the rich man's gold. All that you need is in your soul.
1: I listen to this song, honestly. It's one of the very few songs that when I really feel like I need to check in with myself, I listen Dude. to this song. There are a few of them. This is one of them where I'm like, I need to go, and I get a little high. And I'll, and I make sure I sit outside and I'm like, this is what's important. This yeah. is what's important. Remember what's important. Simple, simple, simple. You can keep it simple and still be great and be good and be happy, but not to constantly be looking for what's better or what's next. Oh, I needed this song over the last few days.
0: Cause like I've gotten caught up in what's going on in the world right now. And it's just like, I'm not like watching CNN, but just like the Washington post and it's just so negative. And you go on Twitter, and then I start thinking about the future, like, well, I've lost this amount of money. Will I be able to survive this? And if this happens, and if this doesn't happen, and then this song couldn't have come at, like, a better time in my life. Because I almost feel like we're doing this record because I'm going through all of it. Because mm-hmm. I listen to this, just like you said, and you're like, oh, like, just just be simple. Just take it down to just, like, you, like be grateful for what you have. Like, yeah. I made a gratitude list. Um, but so also,
1: the lyrics and i know that and i and sometimes things grab you and you don't know why but the first two lines for me i don't know why always make me emotional mama told me when i was young come sit beside me my only son yeah there's something about that and i don't know why but every time i hear it i'm like oh you know th- this is a just a mom telling his telling her son her only child this is
0: this is the simple way to make your life happy. I think that's why they started it like that. Yeah, I think that was because if he just went into you know, take your time, don't live too fast, you'd be like, all right, dude. But it's to know that it came from like an elderly woman. Yeah, it just adds like you know gravity to it. What's the best advice you ever got from your parents?
1: Oh man, you know I have to tell you I really feel lucky, my parents and and how they've followed me on this journey. My dad reminds me of something I said to him the very first time I got on stage. He said, um, uh, and this is the advice. And the, so, Because whenever I've called them and been like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. He always brings me back. You remember that first time I brought you? I was 15. They had to drive me to my show. And I was nervous. My legs were shaking. And he said, you know, you don't have to do this. And I said, yeah, I do. I do. I have to do it. And he said, why? I said, I just know I'm going to love it. And so he reminded me and he was like, how many other things do you love doing that? He always brings me back. He would always bring me back to that very first thing I said about our our art, which is, I know I'm going to love it. And so it was somewhere inside of me. So he always brings me, he always, um, reminds me of that, that like it's inside you. It's what you love to do. It's, and so he, there were times where I, all of us were, but like I gotta stop. And he was like, "This is what you were here. This yeah. is what you're here for. Love it. This is what you love." And so for me, the fact that that they always reminded me of that, and not of the only time my dad ever, at any time, was like, maybe you know, when I was single raising my kids, dude. Um, he came into my house once. It was the, one of the craziest, realest conversations that I've ever had with anybody. And he was like, you know how much I believe in you and what you're doing. But you live in, I lived in one room with three kids. Yeah, I was making $1,100 a month. And he said to me, he said, I just want to ask you something. I know this is what you love to do and we, we believe in you and this is in your heart. But it's not just you now. When does your dream become selfish? And I was like, oh, fuck. And he said, just if you're finding yourself, because now your kids are in it. Yeah. Now your kids are in it. So when it was just you.
0: It's like you better love this. Yeah, shit, yeah. Dude. But you're but really- that was his
1: thing. He was just like, just know, we know you love it, but when does this become selfish? When does your dream affect them? Not telling you to stop, just don't want you to have blinders on for it. They've always been very honest with me, man, and very supportive. I feel really very lucky to have had them they're both still alive they're both they're together so they've been a a great role model for me for just about everything
0: good what about what's the best advice that you've given your kids
1: well they're all so different they're all so different you know yeah um but i constantly have to remind them um that
0: Pull out. Yeah, come on, anal.
1: that's <laughs> the problem? Up the bum, yeah. no babies.
0: <laughs> that's, that's advice that I'll never forget. An Australian guy taught me that.
1: Yeah, up the yeah, a woman named Stacy told me that Ooh. when I was sixteen. Yep. Um, I, I would tell you, I think, and this is an interesting question because I think it's more for them than for me. Yeah. But I think it was probably to my youngest son, and. To to make memories is what I've tried to tell. Yeah, don't like right now. He's he's like I gotta forget this job and this job and this job and this job. I'm like, hey man, the jobs you're after right now will be there in four months too. Yeah. You're not going after the CEO of a company because he had been talking about. I want to get in the car and just drive around the country. I'm like, now's the time. Now's the time to do that. Now's the time to make memories. I'm always the one thing about when I. As a parent, the one thing I always try to do is make memories because that's when you look back at your childhood, you don't know how many times your mom cut the peanut butter crust off your sandwich. You know what I mean? But what were the things that you guys did? So that's the thing that I try to tell them is just make memories, make
0: memories. The one piece of advice that my dad told me is always go to a restaurant where you know the owners there. That's it. He goes. The food's going to be better there because they care about the food. They huh. care about the place. Because my dad never would go to like an Outback Steakhouse. So that's like people ask me, "What's the best advice, you dad?" Yeah. I'm like, "Dude, just don't go to chains.
1: Yeah. Dude, just <laughs> avoid <laughs> you, chains." What about Chinese food? This is my theory on Chinese food. Hit me. When I walk into a Chinese restaurant, I I want I want I don't want an A in the window. I want a B, maybe a C. I want it to look like the opening scene of Gremlins. You know what I mean? Like that kind of smoky. I want a young boy doing math by the crash register. and his, You know what I mean? His grandmother yelling at him. Like, I want some real shit. Yeah. I want it to look like it's going to be the most authentic food I've ever had or I'm going to have explosive diarrhea. But like, there's, there's
0: not that many in L.A. You have to go to downtown L.A. Yeah. And nobody wants to go to downtown L.A. Like, where are you going to get Chinese food out here? What, no, you, go down. no you, you can go, go down. to Genghis. Genghis Cohen, but if I'm going downtown, I'm going to Howlin' Ray's, dude, and getting that hot chicken sandwich. You got four hours to wait in line. Nah, you don't need four hours now, dude. You got the hookup. You can drive right down, order it. They'll bring it right out to you. I've ordered it to. I've ordered it Postmates, and it's it's good.
1: It's the, the coleslaw. It settles. It's not. You got to go down and get it yourself. They'll bring it right out to your car.
0: We yeah. should. We maybe we should go get a hot chicken. I sandwich. I still think that. that we should fucking just take mushrooms. Like that's, I'm on unbur- that. That's too. way more important than <laughs> just getting a chicken sandwich. <laughs> All right, things going on. Um so this is a swampy honky-tonk socio-political protest song. Uh here Peter play 311 from it. <laughs> All right, so let's vibe off of that line. All right, so this is basically them saying, being very critical of the of the Nixon administration and the bad policies and the priorities. But that line, like, because at the end of it, he says they're just sitting around getting high. So it's like, like what does he think Nixon is doing? Like, I, just taking bong rips and just fucking, like... I think, I wish. I mean, he might have... Ended up a completely different president. <laughs> he was doing that, just doing nothing. <laughs> Dude, they're just taking bong rips. <laughs> they're not doing anything to help us. <laughs> Fucking Kissinger, I, is just tripping balls. <laughs> I wish. I wish that's what Frost Nixon was about.
1: Yeah. Um. I I think it more like getting high off of their suffering is kind of how I interpreted it. Oh,
0: Do you know yeah. what I mean?
1: Like w- like way li- more apt. Like living yeah. large because we're not. Yeah. And, and this is one of those songs like you know when you explain to somebody you're like what's that sound you're like it sounds dirty this yeah. it's i don't know how to explain it but this song sounds dirty like the way i don't know what that sound is you know honky tonk maybe is that it just sounds kind of gritty and dirty and but again these lyrics um he's not Injecting enormous thesaurus words, but he's talking about something really important. And for a band in that era from where they were from to be progressive, isn't the right word, but not, you know, you know, speaking about politics, it's like they're they're
0: not playing up like their redneck jingoism. No. Do you know what I mean? They're like just this is this is a protest song. Yeah. Which is not what I was going to be expecting from Leonard Skynyrd. Yeah. Yeah. You know?
1: Now they do have a rednecky song on this album. But this 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 song is very well thought out and it just shows like how uh smart he was. I think also and I could be wrong, but like I think he knew how to communicate with the people who were going to be listening to his music. Yeah. Do you know, like, I, I think he he was like, this is how I'm going, this is how I've always communicated with the people who I grew up with, and that's not going to change when I start writing lyrics. So I think songs like this make more of an impact to the people they're supposed to make an impact to because he's talking to them in a way that he would, ge- that they're going to get it.
0: I, you're right, but also you can just imagine, like, just the people that, like, the real Southern people yeah. listening to this, like, what the hell is this bullshit yeah. trying to talk? <laughs> Nixon's doing a great job, by the way,
1: dude. Have you, you know, who Sturgil Simpson is? I do, yeah. So, it's hilarious if you read some of the reviews of some of his fa- former fans because they loved the music. But then when they dive into the lyrics, they're like, oh, this is this dude's a progressive. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so you have all these people who were super psyched at the music because it has a very Waylon sound to it. Yeah. But they dig into the lyrics, they were like,
0: "Mother, you tricked me again." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This yeah. is this is very Steve yeah. Earle, which is yeah, just like, which pull, is way dude. more than, dude on the list. Good poll, but Steve Earle, like, I mean, is a complete liberal. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that Leonard Skinner is a liberal They're band. Not. Not. But you could still like be a Republican and not agree with what Trump's doing right now.
1: But I think you were also allowed to disagree with people you also agreed with back then. Yeah. I I don't know, honestly, what their political stance was, but this was different for this genre, for sure, sure, it felt
0: like. All right. But then we go into the Mississippi Kid. Uh, So this is uh, just Delta Blues, co-written by Al Cooper who played mandolin and bass drum with his co-founder of The Blues Project and Blood, Sweat and & Tears and then Steve Katz on harmonica. It's about an armed Mississippi dude going back to Alabama to get his lady. Kick it, Peter! <laughs> well, I was born in Mississippi, baby Don't take any stuff from you oh, I was born
1: in Mississippi
0: Yeah, this is just this is just like very like just blues, straight up blues. What's funny about the song is that Ronnie was not born in Mississippi. Uh, Ronnie Van Zant was quoted by a backup singer as saying he was a Mississippi kid. He grew up in Florida, and his only connection to Mississippi was that he ultimately died there. Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah, this is you know, I, I think I told you there one of the reasons that for me Skinner is the best. Southern rock band of all time for me personally is because when I look through their albums, there's maybe one song I don't
0: like. Yeah,
1: this song I don't love, but this isn't, I'm not fast forward and past it either. No, I'm not skipping this. I like the style. Is that I like the style of the music? It's different. I don't hear that. Like, I know it's blues, but is it like, is there a delta blues? Does that sound like?
0: This is Delta blues.
1: So it, I like that. I don't hear that sound anymore. So when I hear this song still, I love to listen to it. Um, but again, uh, he's the lyrics are so relatable. It's just a dude. I'm going to get my woman.
0: Yeah. That's it. I'm going and I'm bringing a fucking gun. Yeah, it's I think it's just a nice palate cleanser for what we've been listening to the, the previous songs. I, f- I figure this is probably side two of the record. I mean, I'd assume there's eight songs, four on each side. No, it's, it would start with the other one, but yeah. So this is so we go into things going on, Mississippi Kid. Then it goes in to Poison Whiskey, which is the funkiest song on the record, without a doubt. Uh, Peter, play a little taste of that bullshit. <laughs> Dude, this is what's funny about it. This is talking about how bad alcohol is and the, the effects of alcoholism. And uh, from what I read about this band, they were drunk yeah. <laughs> all the time, they all were. the time. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but it's interesting. Like he did write in his way again, very simply, but about addiction. You know, the needle. He has that song "Needle and Spoon." I forget to out what, what album that's off of. Okay. But um, he's he. he what I don't think he gets credit for enough is kind of the topics he was willing to jump into for a band like this, that they probably other bands of this ilk or era might not have been, but, but he did to sing about poison whiskey or needle in the spoon. He, it's stuff that he was experiencing. I, I agree. All the stories I've heard is that they were drunk a hundred percent of the time. A hundred percent of the time. And that's yeah. why they were cool.
0: Without I mean, that's, that's, like, one of my favorite things is when, like, when, when Duff and Slash went up on the American Music Awards and were just fucking wasted. Like, I already liked them, but I was like, dude, that's the coolest thing ever. They cussed because they were, what's drunk mean? Yeah. I you know, like, I'm, like, seven, eight years old. Um, Where's, who, who's the rock star now that's doing that? Like, who's showing
1: up fucked up now? Anybody? And let me ask you even a better question. Fuck. What? What? Do you think rock now that it's not cool, will become cool again? Like, do you think... Look, my kids listen to hip-hop because I listen to rock. Yeah. But now parents are listening to hip-hop. Do you think that switches back to rock? Do you think we find our way back? And if we do... The thing that I hate the most about modern music is how overproduced it is. You don't hear hands slide down the neck of the guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't hear people breathe. I'm wondering if that'll ever... The, you, I'm like, how did you hit that note without without fucking
0: breathing? Like that doesn't make any
1: sense. You're taking breathing out of the recording. Oh shit, it's a
0: breathing solo.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> but but all those things I'm wondering if rock makes a comeback because it's Rock not will going. never die.
0: Rock will never die. It's it's still out there. It's just I just don't think there's that artist that's pushing it into the forefront right now. But right. it's it's gonna come. I mean, music is just constantly just going in a big circle it gets super big and then there's like a reaction to it um so i think we're we're kind of at the precipice right now at this the height of of how big hip-hop is going to be and electronic music and then something's going some artist is going to come out that's going to do a reaction to that that's just stripped down yeah i don't think rock and roll will ever die because there's so many people that love there's something about just a guitar a bass drums and singer that, that is a concert that is far more entertaining than just, you know, just a rapper or a I DJ. I agree. No matter how good the LED, like, fucking uh, show is. Um, I, I don't know when. I hope soon. Me too. But, I mean, dude, that's why I'm doing the podcast. Because I'm like, dude, the music now sucks. I was like, we got to find some other shit. But I want to talk about drinking, though. Okay. What is the wildest shit you've ever done? When drunk.
1: Well, my buddy and I were at the San Antonio Zoo. <laughs>
0: I like where that's starting. And
1: um, it was a it was one of the hot days in San Antonio where nobody's at the zoo and no, the animals are now. But we were walking around my freshman year in college. It was free because it was so hot and we were drunk and we were like, let's go to the zoo. So and it was near closing. And my buddy, this little guy named Jacques—I want to say his Cousteau. Last name. <laughs> <laughs> not Jacques—Jacques, Jacques, oh, uh, Jake. Jacques. Jacques, J- okay. a- and um, he he had his tight Wranglers on. He's a—you a- you know what I've noticed about your stories? Yeah.
0: You can describe the style of clothing on everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah that's man. That's like that's like the it's like me with like the weather in oh, every yeah. story too. It was beautiful outside. No, I don't You're know, know like, why. <laughs> his shirt was pressed. He had on clean khakis. <laughs>
1: Uh, That's a, hysterical, dude. Uh, wait till I describe your survivor outfit when I talk about us
0: podcasting. He looked like he was on Survivor.
1: <laughs> um, so
0: I do have a survivor look right now. Yeah. I could be doing like a yes. conch and like yeah. <laughs> doing the fucking speech about rats and shit. Where's Josh? He's breaking open a coconut. Hold on. Um,
1: so we're standing out in front of the, the rhino pen. And um, he looks into it and he goes, "And this, he's a guy from West Texas, small town. He goes, man, look at them. He goes, can you believe how big they are? And they're scared of people. And I was like, what?
0: I said, rhinos. We're yeah, talking about rhinos. Okay, rhinos.
1: I go, no, dude, not scared of people. The they, they tip over tour buses. Like they have a hor- they have a weapon on their face. You don't you don't, you're not made with a weapon on your face if you're not going to use it. Yeah. And he goes, no, dude. He was like, I know for sure they are scared of people. They're like cows. So this animal's name was lord and lord was at the end of a long thin pen behind a wooden fence with a little hole at the end of it yeah where he could get in and out so i said to jack twenty dollars says you don't jump in the pen oh. Twenty more dollars says you know like
0: how drunk are you guys by the way you like just is it a few drinks you have a buzz or are you guys wasted
1: buzz because okay. we're still walking and talking and 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 um and i got 20 bucks says you don't jump in the pen and 20 more dollars says you don't touch it on the ass and he
0: he needed forty bucks. Obviously, freshman in
1: college, yeah. forty dollars. That's did you have the forty dollars? <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so forty dollars. You know, pitchers were three dollars. So forty dollars. That's ten pitchers. And you're not tipping when you're a freshman in college. So that's more. That's thirteen pitchers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a lot. That's a, that's that's a couple nights. of good drink. A fun night. So he goes, all right. And he jumps in. Now, the, the sides are like rock. They're not something you can climb up and down. And he slides down, and he's walking. And I'm stunned that the rhino hasn't already run out. I just figured he'd jump in, the rhino would go, Wah! and he'd jump out. And nobody's trying to stop you guys. There's nobody at the zoo. There's nobody walking around. It's near closing. It's a 1,000 degrees out. Right, nobody. We're
0: about to close in 20 minutes. Yeah, let's let these two buzzed guys no, in we, we, wearing
1: incredible we, wranglers. Yeah, we were there Both of them. about an hour before close. So we walked in, and people were starting to clear
0: out. We were all we were on our way out. Should yeah, we let the zipper guy in? Dude, yeah. all his <laughs> zippers on his pants and his shirt. Let him in. Is that a cum stain yeah. on his pants? <laughs> like, oh, my God. Yeah, he's got blue cum, <laughs> zippers. This guy's name (laughs) I checked his ID, it's (laughs) Jock Cousteau? No, it's J-O-C-K, not J-O-Q.
1: So I'm already expecting the animal to make a noise and nothing. So Jock starts to walk closer towards him. And he's turning to me and laughing. He's wearing Wranglers and cowboy boots, dude. So I'm like, how is he running? Getting closer, he's halfway to the rhino. And I'm like, I can't believe what's happening. Maybe he got five more feet, and the rhino turned and let out this noise. And I was like, oh, no. And that's when my buddy turned, and I saw the look on his face where he knew. He would fucked up. I'm wrong. Yeah. Oh, I'm wrong. Oh, my God. Like a rhino. Now, here's the deal, Josh. So he's at the end behind this fence, so he has to turn around in not a of huge enclosure. Rhinos aren't the most nimble animals. Thank God. And he finds his way out this hole and starts to charge my buddy who's running back. I'm on the
0: rhino's side right now, by the way. I'm just letting you know that Yeah, yeah. Right b- now. By
1: the way, I hear that. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: he's My friend is sprinting towards the wall. The rhino is sprinting yeah. at my friend. I have my hand down over the wall. He jumps up, he grabs my hand, and we pull up. And the rhino slid—this is how close he was—slid into the wall. Ooh. My buddy's laying on the ground like— panting, fear, no color in his face. And I'm like, you okay? And he's like, it just fucking, he was that close to dying. Yeah. And we didn't say anything. We're walking out and he turns to me and he goes, hippo, not rhino, hippo. And I go, (laughs) I go, no, dude, not hippo either. (laughs) Not, Not hippo either. Yeah. But he was so convinced it was one of the two. I told that story at his wedding. And I was like, I, I really thought I was going to have I told his parents, I really thought I was going to have to call you and be like, I don't know how to tell you this. <laughs> how do you tell a parent that? <laughs> I dared him. And by the way, I gave him 40 bucks at his wedding because I was like, I never, I didn't have the money. Yeah. I so didn't, here's I didn't, your dough, dude. Yeah, I mean, but do he's a heart surgeon now? Yeah, of course he is. He's a <laughs> he's, heart he's, surgeon.
0: Because he's tested the limits of his own heart he, so he knows wait, how far it, it can isn't go. Isn't it crazy
1: when you see people you grew up with who've done Fucked up shit, and you're like, yeah, he takes care of kids now, and you're like, what? Why? Oh yeah, uh, who dude. who hired him to do that? He was drunk for thirty years in a row. I'm doing the
0: exact job. I think that everybody is like, no, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like if I would have been like a lawyer or anything, where I had to study, I think people would be shocked. So, including the, you. The, well, I, you know, I'd like to think that I could if I went to law school and I fucking was like, all right, I'm in law school. I gotta fucking learn this shit, and I studied. I know I could do it. All right, but. Josh. I'd go nuts. I'd be, I wouldn't be happy.
1: Say you could live forever. Okay. How long?
0: How do you know I can't
1: already? I don't because I'll be dead way before you. Okay. I'm an old person.
0: I'm outliving everybody.
1: Um, say you could live forever. How long would it take you to figure out how to build a rocket?
0: Starting now?
1: Fine. Yeah. Say you could live forever. How long does it take you to figure out? I mean, out- dude, if I could, you could find it all on YouTube, bro. No, 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 no. You got, you got to do it the way everybody else did. It was just like from figure it the out the beginning, like with no, yeah, from, no help from, from the from the jump. How
0: long does it take you to figure out? Do you know what I mean? I, well, I mean, well, first of all, there's a lot of factors that I need to know. Like, <laughs> am I am I undyable? Like I can blow myself up because I'm yes, gonna. Yes. Yes, yes. You, you're not gonna die. And I don't get like singed, and it's like, so if I if I if I get, go through fire, I'm still have hair you're and I good, still look yeah. normal.
1: I'm glad you're worried about your hair.
0: I mean, I, if I had to learn well, dude, I don't want to be like I don't want to be like death becomes her with like a hole in my stomach. Yeah, and no, that but I still have to keep living. <laughs> yeah, I don't you. want that. I'm with I'm you. So uh I'm gonna say about a year, year a and year? A, half, a year, year and a half, dude. Yeah. I'm because I'm diving right into it, dude. Ugh. I'm I'm starting today. I'm being challenged to build a rocket, so immediately I'm gonna start like. All right, it's not gonna take a year, but it's gonna take at least. I said three hundred years. Three <laughs> hundred. Well, I figured the first hundred. I I'm gonna be like, I'll get to it tomorrow. So, like, you know what I mean? I mean? This is first of all, it's like I'm being challenged. I have to build a rocket. Yeah, and I mean, I'm if I'm starting now, I'm dedicating my whole life to it. Yep. Um, twenty four seven, twenty four seven. Well,
1: you taking mushrooms
0: to figure it out, dude? I just I'm, see, to be honest with you, I don't think I'd ever figure it Me out. Me neither. Because like, I don't even know where to begin. I don't know even how to contain it. And then it, like, that's what I'm saying, dude. I need help. If I could like, you know, look at like uh, instructions like it's an IKEA cabinet, then yeah, like I think the furfurd login, dude. If I could look at the furfurd login for the rocket, dude, I would figure it out. I'm good with directions.
1: I'm not. I, I, I but that's what I mean like when you talk about your friends there you're doing exactly what you should be doing I'm with you man I, I'm, I'm with you there's there was never any nobody ever said to me you should try pre-med nobody ever yeah. said that ever in the history of ever yeah if I came at you wearing a mask and a knife and been like hey Josh I'm gonna cut something out of you today you'd be like oh
0: you're my surgeon yeah you're out I mean, I'd be like, life. all right, how long have you been working on it? <laughs> and did you follow instructions? That's yeah, what Can you YouTube it? Can you, can you follow it? instructions? Can you yeah. YouTube it? I mean, dude, I wouldn't want that. No. That would be horrible. Would you be okay if your surgeon was somebody you knew, you grew up with? He went to men. Yeah, be, yeah
1: 100%. Minami. Why? I'd be scared that he'd do something weird to my insides as a joke you know like leave a toy car in there or some shit you know what i mean i mean he could lose his medical license <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. that right you're like right. you're right you're right you're, the you're right the guy's going to do a <laughs> good right. job you're right he's not us also
0: then you cuz if you know him and you're all fucked up you don't want him you he doesn't want you going to tell all the people you grew up with this dude like, left this a matchbox dude, car he's, he's a fucking doctor he's a horrible doctor at the at like the high school reunion you know yeah. like the 30 year reunion yeah dude he wants he wants you you singing his praises you can't you're right. you, if he leaves a car in you it's not gonna happen.
1: Let's see, I I think if I was a doctor, I would, I couldn't help the practical joke part, and I probably wouldn't last very yeah, long. Yeah, you wouldn't be a good
0: doctor. I'd be a really yeah, bad would, doctor. It, your bedside manner would be really. Yeah. People, you'd be kicked out of the Did hospital. Did you want that foot or? Yeah, what you my You're saying shit like that, yeah, dude. You,
1: I want like, it's you, yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool. We have some really cool other ones in the back. You mind if I switch that up for Thank somebody else? Thank God else's? you're a
0: comic, dude. Yeah, Thank it wouldn't God. Be, it wouldn't be good. All right, final song on the record uh, is what I all I wrote was power ballad supreme free bird um so even though this song is about leaving a lady uh for the single life this was embraced by returning vietnam veterans who would play it on their flights home on planes known as the free bird express so what i love about this song is there's so many levels to it you have the the piano intro and it builds and it gives you like a taste of it in between like the first chorus and then the second verse um but the outro of this song mm-hmm. arguably I think one of the greatest outros probably ever written and just the extended guitar solo is at the end Peter uh play a little taste of it. So, this is—if you want to know why the the guitar solos are so long, uh, they were originally added to give Ronnie some time to relax between songs when they would play shows. Really? So that's why the ending is the way it is. Huh. So the band had already been playing this at gigs before they got the record deal, and one day they heard the roadie play a piano intro to it, and that. Is how Billy Powell became Skinner's keyboardist. Really? Yeah. So it's this. The song is a lot deeper than just people shouting it at concerts.
1: I, you know, it's one of the. It's one of the songs where I, for me, if I'm listening to it, I'm listening to the live version. I don't care that it's 170 minutes long.
0: I've never heard the live version. Is that right, dude? This is the first Skinner record I've listened to all the way through, and to be honest with you this might be the first time I've actually listened to Freebird all the way through, like, paying attention to it. <sighs> dude, this, s- this song, like, all right, you have to keep in mind, like... like I, that, I, by the way, that blows my mind. I mean, I've heard it. Yeah, no, but, but I, I listened yeah. to it this time, and I understood it, and I read the lyrics, because, dude, I read the lyrics, like, I put them yeah. on, I have the good headphones, I took mushrooms, and, like, and, and, oh. and, and did this, and did The Temptations, uh, which is a great record, but... This is just one of those songs that I think solidifies why Leonard Skinnerd is Leonard Skinnerd.
1: Sure, I mean, there's no doubt about that. The live version to me is fantastic, but I would tell you some of their B sides, like the Ballad of Curtis Lowe, There's some B sides I'm going to send to you. Was I right oh, or please. wrong? That are just like, oh fuck! But this this song. I, again, I don't know that you make a song like this now with this kind of outro
0: oh no, right I, I mean, I wouldn't get the radio play that that this gets i mean this is this is a staple in all like classic rock channels.
1: It's one of those songs that i i I make sure that i never I never put on that it always surprises me i I got really sick of Sweet Home Alabama, and i even when it surprises me, I can't listen to it, yeah, but I never wanted to get sick of this song. Because I love it so much, and like remember, I was telling you that sometimes I feel like the guitar ha- is part of the lyrics. The guitar in this
0: really speaks oh, to the, me. The, the solos in this are the best part of the song. Yeah, that the the right the, the, the first half of the song is great. Yeah. it's it's a great ballad. It's a great power ballad. The outro to this song, I think, and this is my question to you is: is this the greatest outro yes. ever? So all right, so let's the two that I pulled up. I got uh, "Hey Jude." That's a big sing along. That's a big sing along. That's a whole. That's a whole thing. The you know na 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 nah. That's a whole thing where everybody can sing along. Like you can't sing. <laughs> Do you imagine if like you're at the Staples Center seeing Leonard Skinner and everybody's like <laughs> that would be
1: amazing. Yeah, it's, which would be hysterical. See, hey Jude, it's a completely different feel because we're singing together, and we're. And have you ever seen McCartney live? I have. And when everybody's singing that,
0: uh, oh, it's, dude, uh, I do that at the goddamn comedy jam. Yeah. It's the greatest thing in the world. Same size his concerts, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same feel. Yeah. We feel like maybe like not even a quarter of one of his sections.
1: Crazy, yeah, crazy, crazy. And by the way, you know what's mind blowing to me? What's up? Paul McCartney has been playing in front of at least fifty thousand people for fifty years. Oh, oh, dude, is like, that crazy? It's, it's
0: and he's still at. I think he's eighty, late seventies, late seventies. I mean I saw him I saw them fifteen years ago years. I saw him 15 years ago and it was one of the best concerts I've ever seen do, do you, three and a half hours he played do you think that they could
1: three and a half hours yeah, he played
0: for a long long time do
1: you think they could figure out how many tickets total the stones have sold in there because they have to have sold the most tickets total don't you think I think, I think
0: millions definitely millions do you I think mean,
1: they're the highest ticket selling ticket like ever just the amount of Fifty years of fifty thousand. Can any? I mean, McCartney would be the only person I would think who could come close. Dude, I
0: think you know what I hate to say. Grateful Dead has been selling yeah. out stadiums. Are they still? Oh yeah, dude. Dude, they have they're still like. You think just Springsteen's close? Yes, I. Th- well, no, I think this is such a it's such a loaded question because, you know. Springsteen, like who tore? I don't know who tours as as much between the two. Right. I feel like Springsteen is out there, but he takes a little break. The Stones uh, tour a lot the, now. I think the Stones, I think everybody right now is just trying to stack as much cash as they can. Yeah. Um The Dead, I feel like they're always on tour. Um but do, they, I don't, I do don't, you think,
1: think they t- they they maybe ticket sales for them, especially because they've they've toured nonstop, right? They're like non-stop non-stop but but like the stones will sell a hundred thousand seats in brazil
0: oh yeah dude it's like the the american audiences are are way smaller than overseas yeah i'd be
1: really curious to see to know how many tickets they sold it but it's mind-boggling to me to be when you talk about when you were talking about mccartney to be that relevant for 50 years yeah these guys to me would have been E- not equally relevant, but in that part of the country, I, when I look at their albums and before the fucking plane crash, I'm like, oh, these—they're just getting better. The, every album is still filled with bangers. When you look at their albums, it's just like, oh shit, more and more and more. So I—I I mean, to think about where they could have gone and what they could have done, but the the for Freebird to still hit me the way it hits me like for that guitar to yeah. still yeah like when you when that came on we were all like oh that's right and it gives me chills it gives me yeah i was gonna say that it, it
0: gives you chills it, it, it brought a tear to my eye yeah um it just the outro to me listen if 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 free bird's not on this record i don't think this album's on the list I, I think, agree I, think I think it's I think they they open with a banger. They had like three or four singles on here, of some of their bigger songs. Yep. And then they have arguably I mean, dude, it's the most requested concert song. Every concert I've ever been to, somebody's been play Freebird yeah. like it. And there's a reason now I understand it. 'Cause before I was just like, Oh, that's a joke. Like Leonard Skinner's kind of a throwaway band. No, 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 no. Not a throwaway band. This is band. the this is a quintessential song of the Vietnam War, when I think of that, of the turmoil that was going on in the seventies. Interesting. And and when you think of the seventies and you make a top ten list of like of songs that represent the era, I, I feel like this this is has to be on there. Without a doubt,
1: yeah. this has to be on there. and I think you should get high and listen to the live version. Oh, I'm going to the live version. Is a little bit longer.
0: Probably on my drive to, to Joshua Tree. Like I'm gonna like I'm get so high jealous, and. Dude. and oh, I'm,
1: you know, we just got, we just bought land up there. If you ever want to go camp, we haven't built a house yet. Oh. We just bought, we just bought some land up dude, there. Dude, I'll, I'll tent it. Just well, give me the land. We we, uh, Beth and I have taken an RV up there and we just chill, man. We just chill. You're welcome to. I'm
0: hundred percent going to take you up to. on this offer. Yeah, absolutely. Dude. All right, you want to do some facts and get out of here? I would love to. All right, oh, with the facts, facts, boom, down, 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 down. All right, there was no bad (laughs) blood. I'm trying to sing, I'm trying to sing facts in the style of the song. Oh, facts, facts, boom, down, 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 down. There's 300 people out there right now. It's crazy. There was no bad blood with their former PE coach Leonard Skinner, and in fact. He was so flattered that he introduced the band at a huge concert at Jacksonville Memorial Coliseum. So you know that, right? Leonard Skinner was their P.E. coach. Why would he be upset? That is, Well, they, they thought he would because they didn't want him to get sued, so they, they yeah. put the Ys in there, but it's Leonard Skinner. And, uh, what? yeah, dude, but he was, I guess he was like a huge dick. You don't why think oh, he was a gym teacher. But
1: by the way, you don't think, you don't think that got him laid? That band's named after me like that. What? what why would he be mad that? I mean, if Leonard he's a,
0: Skinner doesn't sound like an attractive man.
1: No, but if he's, if he's a gym teacher, this is a good deal for him. I think it's a win win for old Leonard Skinner.
0: What's the longest you've held on to beef or grudge?
1: Oh, when you said beef, I'm like. I mean, I mean it, like three days, I, I, and it goes yes, bad. It right? goes bad, right? <laughs> um, I'm embarrassed about this. This is the very, this is something that I have, st- I still work on with myself because it, to me, is my biggest waste of enemy and yeah. energy. My biggest waste of energy is making up beefs with people
0: who clear this. Don't, yeah.
1: don't? It's not. It's a one way beef. <laughs> that was
0: my nickname in high school. I'm <laughs> put that on a T-shirt. Yeah. You should get some March one-way One way <laughs> beef. That's great.
1: One way beef. Yeah. And and I, there was a um, a grudge that I held. And is it a grudge if only one person is involved?
0: Yeah. That's it's I mean, grudge is always just. It's most of the time it's one sided. Yeah.
1: I I I would. Seventeen years. Why? Would you? Can you tell me what what happened? Yeah, man. You know. And by by the way, I've had beefs with good friends who you know we that we, we didn't talk for five six years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know. I I was performing, and um this was legitimate. But I should have taken his apology. I was performing. We were both young. He didn't quite understand what the deal was. But I got them front row tickets. And he was drunk and started throwing chicken wings up on the stage. Oh,
0: it's always the people you invite.
1: Always. Always the people you invite. Yeah. And then I had to throw them out. I can't have someone throwing chicken wings because then other people are going to throw chicken wings. Sure. And um, he made a big stink, man. And so I was just like, he basically... Accused me of being like Hollywood because he, because I threw it. You, you're going to forget your friends. I'm like, I'm going to forget my friends who threw chicken wings at me. Yeah. You're goddamn right. Yeah. But he, the next day, not drunk, he apologized and I just, I didn't take it. And I, we talked, but every time I saw him, I'm like, this motherfucker. And I should, because what I found out about myself and which isn't healthy is that I need, I've, I've always felt like I needed that to kind of fuel me. When I go to the gym, I find somebody in the gym. I don't like the way they're dressed. And if I and I hate that person for the so entire workout.
0: Oh, so do I. I.
1: I hate that person for the entire workout because I'm like, I need this. And so I've really been trying to be more healthy about you don't need the that to fuel you. You know, yeah.
0: you got to drop it. Dude. Yeah. It's got to be free bird. Are you <laughs> don't be one way? beef. Be a free bird.
1: <laughs> I graduate. Are you are you a beef holder? That's.
0: <laughs> I mean, I've held some beef. Are you? I let a, a guy once hold my beef for a bump of ketamine. Really? Oh yeah. Was dude. it at a Paul Young concert? It Was not at a <laughs> Paul Young concert? It was DJ Icy. Okay. Same kind of music. Oh, yeah, same kind of music. Same kind of music. Um, n- not anymore because I've learned it's it's better to bring it up with that person if especially if i feel like it's it's double-sided um and you just got to talk it out man because i had i held on to resentments for so long that i've had to like drop so much baggage yeah. just to be happy and be present
1: you asked me you were well, like i thought yeah i thought you were mad at me no nah, you asked me you the reason i said no but to the albert king is because like i i won't be able to really talk intelligently yeah. although i love albert king and i uh for me one of the greats and i actually listened to a little albert king this morning but i couldn't speak to you on how it touched me or moved me, or that was the only reason I. No, I well, I know that, but then it was the jam. I asked oh, you for two jams. I was going, I would do a jam now in a heartbeat. I was just going through some personal stuff, and I was just like, I just need to.
0: Yeah, but see, that's what's so funny about the human psyche is that I'm like, I mean, I it must be me. Yeah, it must be me. What did I do? Yeah, and like, and that, that, like, I've had that with so many people that you're creating these wars. So that's why it's like, I'm just like, just bring it up, talk it out. And then to, when I brought it up, you were like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, one yeah. way beef? <laughs> so yeah, dude, I, I don't, I don't have any beefs. That's what's crazy yeah. right now. But I know there's, I know there's somebody that has beef with me from the dog park uh, because he thinks that I snubbed him when I was running and I saw him and he, now I've gone to the dog park the last couple days and I've seen that dude and he's like ignoring me. So he came up to me. He's like, are you guys going to work it out? I go. That's out. on him. Yeah. I'm I'm fine. Like, I have no beef with the dude. There's this is a one-way beef.
1: I have a feeling we're gonna say this for a little bit. I love time. it. Yeah. It's gonna be
0: part of the show now. One way beef. All right. The first time Free Bird was played publicly was at a nineteen seventy wedding of guitarist Alan Collins. But his bride was worried her family wouldn't understand the band's long hair, so she made them all wear short haired wings. Wigs and wings. So now I'm sure that
1: looked totally natural.
0: Yeah. <laughs> A bunch I'm of sure that. long hair. <laughs> I'm
1: sure that bun sure. up the beard too. Can sure you nobody braid knew. the beard? I'm sure, I'm sure nobody knew. Totally natural.
0: All right. Producer Al Cooper hated the band's name that, but they wouldn't change it. So he designed the intriguing skull and bone style typeface and pronunciation for the cover. He also took out ads in magazines and newspapers that said, "Who is Leonard Skinner?"d The ads got bigger each week until finally it became a huge two page ad on the day of the album's release. So, so that was how they got. Their actually, far- pretty smart. Pretty, very, very smart. Yeah. I wanted to ask you because you worked on Chelsea for for how long?
1: I was on the first week of shows and I was on the very last show. So, so how did started.
0: how did that come about for you to be involved with the show for so long?
1: Uh, you know, I um. Uh, dated isn't the right word, but I hung out with her a bunch before I met Beth.
0: Give her that one-way beef.
1: It, we <laughs> used to do a lot of drugs together.
0: Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, yeah. yeah we used
1: to, she was one of my. She was one of my favorite people to go out and have fun with, man. You know, we went to a party once, and we got to the pool table at the party, at this, and she just started to limp. And I was like, "What are you doing?" She was just like, "Just go with it." So she had everybody convinced that she had a wooden leg. And she just beat with all my brothers and cousins and they were like, Oh, let her go first. And they, and so she would do things like hit her leg like this, but like hit wood with the pool cue. And like, people were like, is that, did she just knock a wooden leg? Like she was in a hundred percent and we used to just take ecstasy and, and fuck around and have a good time. So I, I think she knew me and trusted me and, when she was just doing like um, test shows and stuff, they they brought me in and I think she just felt comfortable with me. And then um, at, it was really a panel is if, if I'm going to tell you there, I, I do a lot of things very poorly. One of the things I do well is a panel yeah. because I like to listen and talk and react and respond and laugh. Like that is my favorite part. Talking with you, man, talking yeah. with a friend of mine is it's the best. It's my pure joy. So, so I think, I, I it fell into that being something that I ended up being okay at you know but she was always also no matter what people say about her her politics or whatever you feel about her she was very generous she never felt like she needed to be the funny one
0: really well I mean she surrounded herself with because it's funny like I met you through my cousin my cousin Brian Seidel was a producer yeah. on the first season of the show Se-de- And she, but, but, but she, they let him go because they wanted the money to go to the comics and not to an extra producer on the show. So uh, he always says this. He was like, on the last day there, they had this like going away party. They had like a cake for him and the other producer. And she gave him $500 in McDonald's uh, gift certificates because every day he showed up drinking a McDonald's coffee. And he was just like, why didn't she just give me $500? Yeah.
1: <laughs> By the way, that's one of my favorite Mitch Hedberg jokes. What's that? He would say, man, I don't understand gift certificates. So you're taking money that's good everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And now it's only good in one place? Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, I butchered his joke. But, but think about this. She didn't have to. She paid attention to what he was drinking. For sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, she was exceedingly generous with all of us i have i have very i have very little i don't have anything bad to say about her i know some people do but that's not me all
0: right last one the who is leonard skinner ads were so successful that when their label mates the who were looking for an opening act for the Quadrafenia tour they picked the band because it looked like it was already planned so final question what was your happiest accident
1: um, besides my three kids, <laughs> um, I, <laughs> all of them uh, <laughs> listen, anybody who tells you they planned a kid is a fucking liar. yeah, I mean, some people do, but they're forty eight years old. you know what yeah, I mean yeah, there's yeah. no twenty year olds like, let's have eight kids. yeah, like, that's not that that's not happening. um, my biggest happy, my happiest accident, honestly, okay. I, um, we were throwing a birthday party for my son and he wanted reptiles, reptiles, right? He was into reptiles. He was like five into reptiles, 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 reptiles. And, um, the reptile guy just didn't, he just show up, didn't show up. So I found this. Come
0: on, man. I got 10 kids here. Where's the Python? No.
1: No reptiles. So I found this person last minute, but it just said, and this is pre-internet, and all, just said animals. So I was like, oh
0: no, well, yeah. Let's see what you know.
1: I was like, what is it, it going to be? A you goat? took
0: a risk on this shit yeah, was on like, bringing wild animals I was to like, a birthday it said party. Animals for a five-year-old
1: puppies. He showed up with puppies.
0: Oh well, that's great.
1: Yeah, happy accident, man. Oh. I was like, because I, I called him and I turned to my brother and he goes, "You got any animals coming?" I go, "Yeah." He goes, "What kind?" I go, "No idea." And he was like, "What?" I showed him the ad. It just said, "Do you want Do you want me to bring animals to your party?" And he was like, "This could be like just a bunch of weird people dressed as ant. Like, could have been the
0: furries. Those could, people that like by the way, fucking like.
1: You know, I like weird shit, right? Oh, do you, you know do. that furries have been showing up to my show dressed in their costumes? Really? It's been amazing. You know, I also in Cleveland, some dude finger fucked his girlfriend in the second row and eyeballed me the whole time. I, I mean. So the things have been happening on my shows because people know that I like it a little off, have been pretty special. But the furries have been a nice. Do you bring attention to the fingering? Well, I didn't because he wasn't bothering anybody. So you know what I mean. He did end up getting thrown out later in the show because he was talking at the table, and I can't have that because he's disrupting the show. But he was what like eyeballing me. I'm like, this is some this is some prison <laughs> shit. Like. He's just fingering this girl and staring at me, and there was a couple at the table with them. So when they got thrown out, that couple didn't leave. And I said to I go, I thought you guys were together. And the woman goes, no, I can't believe I had to sit at this table. And the guy goes, I can't believe I didn't have to pay extra for the
0: ticket. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, it was a good time. That's hilarious. All right, actually, I want to throw this last fact in. So right. you, you've seen the album cover yep. for this album, right? So the cover of the album features the band on the Main Street sidewalk in Jonesboro, Georgia. And seconds after it was taken, guitarist Gary Rossington threw up everywhere. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's what it says in my facts. That's what I found (laughs) on the internet. In the
1: facts, facts.
0: Um, (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you what's the weirdest shit that's happened uh, to drunk people at your shows, but you just answered it with... Yeah, I've had a bunch. With fucking...
1: I, I had some finger banging... Um I had two people have sex in the front row Dude, what at a New I, Year's I Eve show for you. I've never <laughs> <laughs> two 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 people had sex at a New Year's Eve show in Seattle at the old comedy underground. Um I've had drunk people throw up first show, throw up in the front row on my feet. So I went Tom Sawyer, I went Huck Finn for the second show, just rolled up my shoes, so no shoes and socks, no my pants, no shoes nice. and socks. Um at a show in, uh, uh what part? Maybe it was Shreveport. Um, The crowd was really rowdy, so I did a conga line to slow them down. I go, all right, everybody, let's do a conga line, and then we're going to get back to the show. And we went around the room twice, and everybody was like, yay, and then they shut the fuck up. Did you play the actual
0: conga line song. The, no way. No, I said, hey, I told, I said, put something on. We're going to do a conga line. And they just put something like, come on free yeah. bird.
1: And you're just yeah. like, but, yeah, man, I, I, I don't drink anymore because I make bad life decisions when yeah. I drink, but drunk people make me laugh.
0: Oh, they're the best because they stop me from drinking. Yeah. Seeing how fucked up they get. Yeah. Yeah. Buddy,
1: I, you know, I, um, this show is absolutely perfect for you. Thank you, man. Like I, I, I genuinely like talking to people who are passionate about what they're talking about, and like you can tell. And I've listened to some episodes; you can tell you really you. I love, love this, this, man.
0: I love the music. The music has kept me sane during the whole virus. This has been like, because it's like I always have a new record. It's a new adventure every week, and you know, like a lot of the people uh, that leave comments on Apple. Like, most of them are all positive. Like, 99.9% are positive, but there's always a couple people that are like, this dude doesn't know music, man. Like, he only knows, like, Stone Temple Pilots and Radiohead and Guns N' Roses. And I'm like, yes, that's why I'm doing this. Because I'm you. I'm the audience. I want to learn about all of these bands. And, I mean, you know it, man. It's like when you hear a song like Freebird and it touches you, it changes you mm-hmm. in that moment. And it's just like I get I get moved more by music than any other form of art. I will tell you,
1: to those people who are saying that, for me, what makes this show more interesting is that you don't know everything. Yeah. Discovery is part of the deal. Discovery, look, if you were this old, hardened dude who knew all these back and forth, there would be a little bit of been there, done there feel to it. But you're discovering this new albums new artists new songs and that's part of the fun of this show man
0: i I really love it it. i love it all right so how can people discover you promote pitch whatever you want to do
1: at josh wolf comedy on all socials i do something called the high live every monday night great where i smoke weed and take mushrooms and turn on my camera last week we had two hundred sixty thousand people live watch
0: that's insane I, i mean how are you on mushrooms and I, knowing that that many people are looking at it. I was you. barely
1: holding it together last week.
0: Yeah, you you have moments where, especially when you've now started introducing mushrooms into the high live, yeah. where it's like, I'm Woo! like, dude, he's, he's touching to you. He might be going to the dark side it's right touchy, here. It's touching When Adam Ray put the camera or the light on you, you're like, whoa. It was like. <laughs> he brought out a puppet, too. I'm like,
1: not a good time for a puppet, bro. Yeah. Let's just put the puppet back. But it's been one of the best things for my stand up, honestly. Sure. Because. I was still holding on to a little part of, oh, I don't want to do that and look stupid. And I look stupid every Monday night. And I, so I've pushed it all aside. And it really is the most freeing hour of my week.
0: Yeah. I do
1: that. And then I do Control Chaos that you've done a bunch of Which times. is great. Yeah. So both of those shows are on, on my Facebook fan page. If you want to watch them live, they're on Monday at 7 and Tuesday at 7. But my YouTube page has over a million subscribers. So you can go find it there.
0: Dude, I love you. You're the best, man. I love you, you. Thanks, thanks for right, having thank me. Thank you, guys, for all everybody watching out there. We appreciate all 300 of you. Uh, what is it called? One-sided beef? Y'all ready for some one-sided One-side beef? One-sided meat. Thank you, guys. Later. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Josh Wolf. For all things Josh, go to his website, comedianjoshwolf.com and find him on all social media, Josh Wolf Comedy. Follow him and go to Facebook.com backslash Josh Wolf Comedy. Like his page so you guys can follow every Monday when he's doing his high lives at 7 and Controlled Chaos every Tuesday at 7. And Control KS is dope. Some of the best comics in LA, all having a good time. It's Josh's own personal game show, and it is a trip. Check out The Prince and the Wolf with Freddie Prince Jr. and Josh Wolf. And just be a fan now. We just listened to Leonard Skinner from 1973. This week, Lil Maddie Pinfield selected Christopher Shane. And you're listening to the latest single any given Sunday. Christopher Shane, they're a three-piece band from Phoenix, Arizona, whose music has been described as southern rock meets desert groove. The band has opened many shows for Leonard Skynyrd, who they cite as their biggest influence in the music. And you can find all their links on the website, the500podcast.com. And if you're in a band and you were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500, send us your song to 500 podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you put the album and artists that influence you in the the big line. Next week, it's Nas Week, as we go deep into his 1994 debut album, Illmatic. Y'all got some homework to do. Listen to the album, do your homework, stay fleecy.
1: Hey, this is Scott from on the Call. Each week I speak to a different musician, whether they're in an established band like Silverstein or The Wonder Years, or a band on the rise like Spanish Love Songs, Origami Angel, or Meet Me at the Altar. We discuss music and lyrics, the successes and challenges of being in a band, and more, as we get to the core of each artist. The show features musicians of diverse genres and backgrounds, so there's always a chance I'll be talking to your new favorite band. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.